Thank you for tuning in to our Restoration Life podcast. Don't forget to rate and review the message and share it out with your friends on social media. Can't wait for you to listen in next week. And I, I just wonder what, what section of our church right now is the most excited? I, I don't know which one, but I'm going to see. Hey, how excited is the balcony? Wow, that's pretty excited. How excited is this side right here? Well, how excited is this side over here? Come on, how excited is everybody in the house? If you're new to Restoration Life... (laughs) You'll know that the Bible declares to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And we are a church that loves to make joyful noises unto the Lord, not just with shouts of praise, but with hearts of action. And so we're honored that all of you are with us. If you're watching us online, we're honored that you're watching us online from wherever you are. You know, a lot of people today are celebrating Easter in different ways. There are a lot of of families that woke up this morning to coloring eggs and putting them in a basket, and, and, and you know, getting the, what, what are they called? Is it the tweets? Is it, is it tweets? Oh, peeps. That's okay. Some of you are tweeting right now, okay? Eating, those peeps are good, though. They'll spike your sugar, but they're good, right? Other, other people are at parks, you know, just doing Easter egg hunts. Other people are trying to break down that one-foot chocolate bunny between the family. And uh, others are celebrating a three-day weekend for those of them that are lucky enough to do so. But how many know that we know better, that Easter is so much more than a peep or coloring of eggs or chocolate bunnies? Come on. It's all about our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And we not only celebrate him on Easter, we celebrate him every day of our lives. And so we, we know that Easter means the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. We understand that it means that the plan and the purposes of God have been fulfilled and that Jesus answers the question that everybody asks with his own resurrection. Is there life after death? And Jesus answers that with a very loud yes as he resurrects and he walks out of that tomb as a promise fulfilled and everything that the believer the christian believer believes in is founded and rooted in the resurrection without the resurrection there wouldn't be no faith without the resurrection friday wouldn't have been so good it is because of the resurrection that we celebrate today that made friday as good as it was and on that faithful sunday when women were approaching the tomb to go look for Jesus. They come across two angels. In Matthew 28, 6 and 8, the Bible says, He isn't here. He has risen victoriously. Just as He said, Come inside the tomb and see the place where our Lord was lying. Then run and tell His disciples that He has risen from the dead. I give you His message. I'm going ahead of you into Galilee and you will see me there. And so here are two angels waiting for the women to come 
and spread the good news. How many know if you want somebody to spread around some good news? Come on, tell it to the girls. Tell it to the girls. They'll get the word out. Jesus isn't dead. He's alive. And the angels of the Lord speak to the women and said, we have a message for you. He's going to wait for you in Galilee. Those words, he's not here, he is risen, has changed mankind forever. It has transformed life after life after life. This morning, I want to take a closer look at why the resurrection is so important to us as believers and as anyone that might be in this room that isn't necessarily a follower of Jesus Christ. Children have often asked, why was the stone rolled away so that he can walk out? And the answer is no, it's so that the world can look in and see that he is not there, that he is risen. The stone was rolled away so that the empty tomb could be visible to all. But why is it so important? It's important because the tomb, the empty tomb, was the evidence of his resurrection. For us, Easter means something totally different. You heard the singers this morning saying that Jesus and his name means victory. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 7, the Bible says, For I have shared with you what I have received and what was of utmost importance. This is Paul the Apostle. The Messiah died for our sins, fulfilling the prophecy of the Scriptures. He was buried in a tomb and was raised from the dead after three days, as foretold in the Scriptures. Then he appeared to Peter the rock and to the 12 apostles. He also appeared to more than 500 of his followers at the same time, most of whom are still alive as I write this, though few have passed away. Then he appeared to Jacob and to all the apostles. And so we know that when Jesus arose from the grave, that it wasn't a secret that was kept, but it was the word that was brought forth by the women and declared by the apostles and by the many, many, many people that were eyewitness accounts that Jesus is not dead, that he is alive. He is not in the tomb. He has risen. And this is evidence of the miracle-working power of God working still in this world today. 1 Corinthians 15, 42 through 44 says, and that's how it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in decay, but will be raised into immortality. It is sown in humiliation or dishonor, but it will be raised in glorification. It is sown in weakness, but it will be raised in power. If there is a physical body, there is also a spiritual body. So we as Christians are victorious today because of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. The first thing that I want to look at is that death has been defeated. This is powerful because it means something to you and I because all of the world from the very beginning of time have been afraid to pass away, have been afraid to die because they don't know what's on the other side of death if anything, but Jesus answers that question with his resurrection. In verse 42, Paul says that we are sown in decay. That means from the very time that we were born, literally, we were still decaying. We were still dying. And believe it or not, we all 
have an expiration date on our lives. We are born into this life as perishable beings, but because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have eternal life. You will be raised to life forever to live with Jesus in heaven, and you become imperishable. The perishable will put on the imperishable. We are eternal, so we will all die. But as believers, come on, death is defeated, and we shall all live again. The account of Luke puts it this way. So they went to look, but the tomb was empty. The body of Jesus was gone. They stood there stunned and perplexed. Suddenly, two men in dazzling white robes, shining like lightning, appeared above them. Terrified, the women fell to the ground on their faces, and the men in white said to them, why would you go looking for the living one in the tomb? Another translation would say, why do you look for the living amongst the dead? He is not here. He has risen. He has risen. But everyone that we know, and, and probably the most, um, the, the, the biggest fear that humanity has ever had has been the fear of death. Hebrews 9.27 puts it this way. It is appointed unto man once to die. Job chapter 30 verse 23, he writes, I know you will bring me down to death. Romans 6.23 declares that the wages, the penalty, the payment of sin on our lives is our death. Since the very beginning, since Adam messed up and Eve messed up too, we've been decaying and we can't gloss over that hard truth. We are a dying race. We are a dying people. Someone once said, when someone teaches you how short life is, you tend to quit wasting it. Not only is it not a dress rehearsal, it is a very short play. How many would agree with me that life is here today and gone tomorrow? Come on. Someone else said life is but a vapor. And that wasn't Bismarcky who said that first. <laughs> that, was G that was the word of God. Psalms 98, 12 says this. Help us to remember that our days are numbered. And help us to interpret our lives correctly. Set your wisdom deeply in our hearts so that we may accept your correction. Life indeed is a very short play. We are here today. We are gone tomorrow. In fact, the Bible declares that none of us are promised tomorrow. Do you know that? When none of us are promised tomorrow. So we all have an expiration date. We're all going to pass at some point. We all know that we can't live forever. I can't live forever. None of you can live forever. There is nobody that can live forever in this perishable flesh. Psalms 89, 48 says, what, can man, what man can live and not see death or save himself from the power of the grave? Well, since the beginning of time, there's only been one man that's been able to resurrect himself from the grave, and his name is Jesus Christ. Listen, Mohammed is still in the grave. Gandhi, still in the grave. Come on. Mary, still in the grave. All the disciples, still in the grave. All the other religions that, that people follow, all the deities that they follow, fake and phony, they are not real. They are not alive. They are still in the grave. But the only one that's been able to resurrect himself from the dead is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Come on. 
The Bible declares that we will walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but we shall fear no evil. Why? Because he is with us. We're all going to have to walk that, that, that valley. We're all going to have to walk that journey. The question is, who will you walk it with? Because if you try to walk it on your own, and you try to lean on your own understanding, on your own wisdom, on your own intelligence, on your own insight, when you walk through that valley alone and you stand before God, I promise you that he's going to ask you, what did you do with the precious blood that his son Jesus Christ poured out for your sin on the cross? And by then it's going to be too late. Because scripture teaches us every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, whether on earth or in heaven. We all go through the valley of the shadow sooner or later, of valley of the shadow of death sooner or later. The only question is, how will we make that journey and who will we make that journey with? We have only two ways to answer that. Either we go through the valley on our own and chance it, or we take the testimony of someone's been there and conquered it already. I don't know about you, but I'm going to put my faith in Jesus. Right? Most will take the first option, but by then it'll be too late. There are no do-overs once you pass away. There is no reincarnation. If you're a golfer, you don't get a mulligan on this one. Once you're dead, you're dead, and then comes judgment. So there are no second chances after we die. This is why I love that Jesus defeated death on our behalf. Because as believers in Jesus, as sons and daughters of God, as the family of God, we no longer have to fear death anymore. Come on. We don't have to fear death. It carries no sting. Why? Because all you're doing, to, if, if, you, if, if I pass away, the only thing that happens is that I, I get a fast pass to heaven. It's the only thing that happens. If I really believe and if you really believe that Jesus died on a Friday, was buried that night, and on a Sunday he arose, then Jesus has taken away the fear of death, the sting of death. He's conquered death, and because he conquered death, so shall I. Because he conquered death, so shall you. Because he conquered death, so shall we. Fear has been conquered. Death has been conquered because Jesus arose. Can anybody say amen this morning? Revelation chapter 1 verse 18. I love this. Jesus says, I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and death. Taking the keys from Hades and from death. And I love this, that he says, I hold the keys. I hold the, does anybody have keys? I got a pretty big keychain, not as big as some of yours. But, but on my keychain, I have, I have a key to my house. And I have full authority to enter in or to lock that place. I have a key to my car. I have full authority to enter in, to turn on that car, and to go. I have Keys to our church, not all the keys to our church, but some keys to our church, not to the kitchen. So for all of you that keep asking me for keys to the kitchen, I don't have a key. But for the keys that I do have, I have full authority to enter in 
and to close it up and to lock it down. The keys give me entrance into places where I have full authority over. Keys matter because whoever has the keys has the authority. When Jesus came from the tomb, he had the authority to enter and to exit at will because he carried the keys. He carried the keys. That he had taken death's authority away from our lives. He alone carries the authority over our lives. Death can't come to us unless Jesus allows it. Do you hear that? 1 Corinthians 15.55 says this. So death, tell me, where is your victory? Tell me, death, where is your sting? It is sin that gives death its sting and the law that gives sin its power. But we thank God for giving us the victory as conquerors through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. Death's defeat means that we don't have to fear it's coming. In fact, some of us welcome it as a fast pass. I'm not afraid of death because Jesus conquered death. And if Jesus conquered death, so shall we. Come on. John 11:25 puts it this way. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who comes and believes in me will live even though they die. And so you don't have to fear death anymore because you have a personal relationship with God. The only ones that truly fear death are the ones that don't know what happens afterwards. The only ones that truly fear death are the ones that don't know if they've done enough to get themselves into heaven. And here's a hard, cold truth. You'll never, ever do enough to get yourself into heaven. Because you can't get yourself into heaven. In fact, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody goes to the Father except through me. It's not by any good works that you would do, but it was by the blood of Jesus shed on that cross 2,000 years ago and the resurrection from that grave that gave us the opportunity to stand before him and ask him to forgive us of all of our sin, to turn away from all of our sin, to accept that gift of love and grace, and now we have access to the Father in heaven. But he's the only way. A little plastic statue isn't going to answer you. A little golden cross isn't going to save you. Any works that you do aren't ever going to be good enough to get you into heaven. The only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. The only way. He's the only way. And so Jesus takes the sting away and the fear away from death because he's saying you don't have to work yourself into heaven because you can't get yourself there. You'll never be good enough because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But if you receive me and my love and my grace and my mercy over your life, now you can have access to the Father. But religion is dead. And guess what? The religion that a lot of us served before we came to know Jesus as our Savior was killing us. Did you know that? It's a hard truth. There are a lot of religions out there that even seem good. But religion isn't why Jesus came to die on a cross. Jesus didn't die on a cross to give you religion. He died on the cross to give you a relationship with himself. And if there is no other way to heaven, then why are we trying so many different ways to get ourselves there? Maybe if I just give enough money to the poor. Maybe if I just volunteer enough at the hospital. 
Maybe if I'm just a good person and do good things for the rest of my life. The Bible says all of sin falling short of the glory of God and the wages of sin are death. But the gift, the free gift of God, Jesus, he brings life and life more abundantly. And so we celebrate today that Jesus defeated death on our behalf. We celebrate, it today, we celebrate today that Jesus defeated fear, and because he defeated that fear of death, you and I no longer have to live in fear of death. We've been given the victory over death. Come on. Secondly, we have victory over our sin's dominion. Think about this for a second. 1 Corinthians 15.42 says this, and that's how it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in decay, but will be raised in immortality. It is sown in humiliation or dishonor, but will be raised to glorification. It is sown in weakness, but will be raised in power. If there is a physical body, there is also a spiritual body. Paul is saying that we were, that we were sown in humiliation and dishonor, that we were born in sin, but because of the resurrection of Jesus, we can be given the power to overcome sin. Did you hear that? When we invite Jesus as our Savior, and he lives in our hearts, and we, and, and, and we live our life after the will of God, we are able to stand before God spotless as if we've never sinned. Because when God looks at us, he sees the death, burial, and resurrection of his Son over us. You have been given now the authority over sin. Before Jesus, you would just cave into everything. The desires of your flesh, the disobedience of your heart, all the things that brought you into that time of hurtfulness and brokenness, all the things that caused you to be separated and live in disobedience to God. God fixes the bridge. He repairs the breach through his son Jesus and when we become born again believers all things are passed away behold all things have become brand new and the next time sin knocks at our door we have the power and the authority and the dominion to stand over sin and say not gonna live that way anymore not gonna walk that way anymore not gonna believe that way anymore I'm not gonna live in bondage to that I'm gonna live in the freedom that Christ Jesus set me free come on you have dominion. You have the power to say no before you didn't. Before it was like, yeah, let's go. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, let's do this. Yeah, I'm going to do that. You didn't have the authority. You didn't have the power. Your flesh was strong because you weren't saved. But then Jesus interrupts your life with his grace and his mercy. This is not, nah, I created you for better than that. I created you for more than that. I don't want you to hurt anymore. I want you to be healed. I don't want you to be broken anymore. I don't want your marriage to be destroyed. I don't want your children to grow up in addiction. In fact, I'm going to start breaking the curse that's on your family through your life so that your children never have to experience the curse that's been on your family for the rest of their lives. And he says, if you just come to me, if you just open your heart and your mind to my grace gift of love over your life, watch me transform you. In the twinkling of an eye, you'll be changed before God. All things passed away. All things 
become new. You never have to say yes to disobedience. You can say no to Satan. You can say no to the temptation. You can say no to the old addictive nature. You can say no to the things of this world that have hurt you and separated you from God. Why? Because Jesus is now in you and he's more than a conqueror. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Romans 5.17 says, For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Paul says that we're sown in weakness, but we will be raised in power. I love that. We're born weak. We don't have the power to resist. But when we're born again, we have the power to resist. And we walk in strength. Romans 6.14 says, remember this, sin will not conquer you, for God already has. You are not governed by law, but governed by the reign of the grace of God over your lives. You know what that means? It means that because of the resurrection of Jesus, you have the power over sin now. Power over temptation. You have the power over the desire to satisfy self rather than God. You have power over drugs and alcohol. You have power over broken relationship. You've got power over financial bondages. You have power over every circumstance in your life because the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead now lives in you. <laughs> Romans 8:11. But if the same spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Aren't you glad that the very presence of God dwells inside of you? I don't know if you can feel him this morning. I don't know if you could sense him, but he's so tangible this morning. He's real. God is real. Come on, Jesus is real. And he's not dead. He's not dead. He's alive. He's not only at the right hand of the Father, but he lives inside of all of us. He lives inside of all of you. And because he lives in you, nothing can come against you. Do you hear that? Nothing this world throws at you will ever be able to defeat the God that lives inside of you. Come on. Nothing is bigger than the God that resides in your heart. Nothing is more powerful than the Spirit of God's holy presence that resides in this living temple that you and I are. You are the temple of the Most High God. And He is alive in you. And because He's alive in you, He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll always be with you. No weapon formed against you will ever prosper. Nobody will ever be able to shame you or to cast you down because you're a son, because you're a daughter, because you're co-heirs of the kingdom of God. You have an inheritance, and that was all made possible by the resurrection of Jesus. Thirdly, the resurrection demonstrates the power to make a comeback. I don't know if any of you have ever had a big setback. Have you ever had a big setback? Setback in your finances? Man, you didn't know how you were going to pay the rent. You didn't know how you were going to bake that car payment. You didn't know how you were going to put gas in the car just to get to work. You didn't know how you were going to make it through the month, maybe even through the week. Man, you've had a setback. 
Has your relationship to your spouse ever gone through a setback? Come on. Life is rough sometimes, right? Marriage could be tough sometimes. Come on, married people. You ever, you ever, you ever, you ever had a big setback in, in your marriage? What about some single people in the house? Come on. Have you ever dated somebody you thought was, was the one and they weren't the one? They were more like legion. <laughs> Come on. Man, she was a mistake. Man, he's a mistake. What am I doing? Why am I still in this relationship? Come on. You ever had your heart broken by somebody you thought that loved you? And your heart experienced a massive setback? Have you ever been a business person in your company or your business experienced a massive setback? Have you ever been at school and you thought you had that test down? <laughs> kind of like when you went to take your driver's license test. <laughs> take it like five times. Massive setback. Hey, have you ever tried to serve God with your life? And you find yourself experiencing massive setbacks because life just happens. Problems just happen. People happen. Come on, how many know that people are problems? Look at somebody sitting next to you. Tell them, you're not my problem. Come on, tell them, you're God's problem. And if you got a problem with God, you got problems. Are you hearing me? I love that God is the God of second chances. I love that we serve a God whose grace is so massive, is so abundant, that he's able to not just save the sinner, but to restore the saint. Come on. Have you ever been just giving God your all and find yourself in a broken place? Come on. We've all experienced that. Good Friday wouldn't have been so good without the resurrection of Jesus on Sunday. And the greatest comeback of all time was Jesus Christ's comeback from the grave. Come on. And I'm here to tell you that God doesn't only want you to celebrate the resurrection of his son, but God wants you to experience your greatest comeback just as well. Come on. God wants you to have your very own comeback because maybe you've been messed up and maybe you've gone through some stuff, but the grace of God is here to give you your greatest comeback of all time. You may think I'm going through a difficult time right now, but watch out, devil. I'm on my way back because I know God's got a plan and a purpose for my life. And my greatest setback will become my greatest comeback. Listen, we serve a God of second chances. In fact, we serve a God of a hundred chances. But we don't use that grace as a license to do wrong. We use that as power to do what's right. Listen, if I'm talking to anybody in this room, I'm telling you right now, if you've, experienced, if you've experienced some setbacks in your personal relationship with God, God is here this morning to welcome you back home and give you your greatest comeback. Come on. Come on. God wants to take you out of the tomb that you're in right now. 
Come on, God wants to roll away the stone that's been standing in front of you for such a long time. We serve a God that moves mountains. Come on, he can move stones just as well. And he wants to give you your comeback. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not evil to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And when you seek me, you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I don't know who, who this is for this morning, but God wants to give you your own comeback. Maybe your marriage has experienced a massive setback. He wants to see your marriage make an awesome comeback. Maybe your business has seen some, some terrible financial times. God is the God that owns everything on this planet. Come on. If he owns a thousand cattle on a thousand hills, how much more can he bless your business? Because you're a son and daughter of the most high God. Come on. Your biggest setback can become your biggest comeback this morning because of a risen Savior that you serve. Let me just say this. No matter how far you've strayed, you're never too far that God can't reach you. Did you hear that? I want to close this morning. I want to close this morning. I'm going to read this portion of scripture to you. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 through 14 says this. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him would not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, between black and and white between Hispanic and Polynesian. There is no difference between American and European. But the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever. You know what the resurrection demonstrates? It demonstrates the reach of God's redemption. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 7. He says, then he appeared to James, then, all, then to all the apostles, and at last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. This is a unique wording. Unique wording that Paul uses right here. He reached out to me. As one abnormally born. In the Greek, the phrase abnormally born is one which literally means to be snatched from a womb. Like a cesarean section. You see, Paul had nothing to be proud of. And maybe this can resonate with a lot of you here. Maybe it can't. But Paul wasn't a follower of Jesus Christ early in his life. Before Paul became Paul the Apostle, he was Saul of Tarsus. He was a son of a Pharisee. He was a Pharisee and the son of a Pharisee. Religious leaders. People that believed they knew the Scriptures, and that they did. But they weren't able to connect the Scriptures to the Messiah that was standing right before them. Paul never met Jesus personally while Jesus was still alive. He didn't even meet Jesus until after the resurrection. And when he met Jesus, he didn't meet in his resurrection form. But when he was Saul of Tarsus, he went about persecuting Christians. 
He did what he thought was right in his own eyes. Does that sound like anybody here? He lived his life doing the things that he thought was right in his own eyes. He had his own religious beliefs, and he followed his beliefs to the T. And in doing so, he ends up persecuting the Christians, those that were followers of Jesus. In fact, he stands holding the clothes uh, the jackets of those men that would martyr one of the very first martyrs as a disciple of Jesus Christ by the name of Stephen. And so here's Saul of Tarsus now going to another city. He gets letters from the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders, says, I need to go and get more of these Christians before they spread more of this message of Jesus Christ. And on his road to Damascus, on this road to Damascus, worship team, come up. On the road to Damascus, what ends up happening is that Paul has an encounter, or Saul has an encounter, with a bright, shining light. He's on his horse. He's riding to persecute more believers. And what ends up happening is that he, he gets hit with this blinding light. He falls off of his horse, and he's blind now. He's blind, and he's taken to somebody's house. In a dream, God speaks to one of his sons, by the name of Ananias and he says go to this house and go pray for Saul of Tarsus and Ananias is like God are you sure that guy kills people like me and God speaks to Ananias in the dream and tells him go for he has to suffer much on my behalf go pray for him lay hands on him open his eyes Ananias goes lays hands on Paul or Saul the uh, Saul of Tarsus, his eyes are opened and he rises up and ends up becoming Paul the Apostle, trained by the Holy Spirit himself on the gospel and doctrine of salvation. Ends up writing two-thirds of the New Testament. It's one of the most dynamic church planners that you read about in the Bible and ends up giving his life for his Savior. Jesus Christ what is that teaching us that teaches us it doesn't matter who you are where you come from or what you've done God could save your soul it doesn't matter how far you've you've strayed away from God in your belief you're never too far away that God's grace and love can't capture you and bring you back to himself and restore you to a right relationship with the Father and not just that, because it doesn't end there. Not only does he save you from hell, not only does he give you eternal life, but he empowers you with gifts that come from heaven to do works of service as unto the Lord. And he puts a plan and a purpose before you to fulfill your life, the very reason why you were created is now manifested through a personal relationship with God the Father. And it all happens because of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ.